Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Tennis Podcast on Labor Day. Happy Labor Day for those who celebrate. It's also day eight of the US Open. We've seen the day session, the night sessions just getting underway. We'll cover off that in part two as per usual. But you find us right now as the sun sets over the Billie Jean King National Tennis Centre in our usual spot in the Media Garden. David's here. Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Isn't it, isn't it a nice sort of sight to look at? And yet it's... It's a bit too muggy, isn't it? I mean, it's disgusting. It's David. disgusting. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> you know, disgusting. I, 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 I've just seen Daniel Medvedev with his inhaler, and I think that that kind of sums up just how, how horrible it must be to run about in this. It, it is, oh, you know, when you try and breathe in, you don't feel like you're refreshed by the, the air at all. Yeah, I'm going to go soup with my soupy word again that's exactly yes. what it feels like it feels like you're not getting enough oxygen in your lungs and we are literally just sitting down and having a chat having a beer <laughs> yeah and it's going to get worse apparently the next few days lovely <laughs> matt roberts is here looking fresh as a daisy hello matt hello i'm actually having an ace paloma yes due to cues for the um, main bar which uh, sells honey juice matt's had to settle for a actually what is actually quite a traumatic cocktail for him because <laughs> i kindly bought him one in indian wells <laughs> and he pretty much spat it out in disgust <laughs> undrinkable he said I drank mine and his. <laughs> You've had about a quarter of an inch of it mm. so far. It's better. It's definitely better. I can I drink this one. I think you were dealt. You were dealt a dud in Indian Wells. I think I was. Yeah, it was quite heavy on the salt. Uh, look, before we get into day session stuff, I'm going to tell you about our partners for this U.S. Open. They are AO Travel. And they operate the travel programme for the first Grand Slam of the season in Australia, in Melbourne. AO Travel can put on packages for you where they take care of your flights premium accommodation tournament tickets and behind the scenes experiences including the all-new ao travel lounge and it's to celebrate the launch of that ao travel lounge that we have our incredible competition on the go right now until monday the 18th of september the winner will receive two return economy flights to melbourne from their nearest airport tickets to the Rod Laver Arena over middle weekend of the Open for two people and 
three nights accommodation at the five-star Pullman on the Park Hotel in Melbourne, which I was told today has had a refurb since I stayed there. Oh, and it was, oh really? It was very nice when I stayed there. <laughs> so lucky, lucky Middle you. Middle weekend. Uh, and you'll also great, get two-day access to the luxurious AO Travel Lounge. You can enter the prize draw today by clicking on the link provided in your show notes. And as I say, you have until Monday the 18th of September at 11.59pm New York time to enter. Terms and conditions apply very very best of luck my dad has already entered okay <laughs> have we informed him that family and friends are not permitted is that an official <laughs> rule let's discuss off air david i'll tell you what my dad's response to that is which is he's a he's a paying friend of the podcast and listener like anybody else okay don't it? discriminate against him because of his surname he's in the draw <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, on to the tennis. And if you include the world number one, Igor Svantec's loss late last night to Yelena Ostapenko, which of course we covered in part two of yesterday's podcast, we have now lost three of the world's top five players in the space of 18 hours. And that is because we've just watched Ange de Burr lose out in two straight sets to Zhang Xinwen, 6-2, 6-4 and earlier on in the day we saw Jessica Pagula lose even more one-sidedly 6-1, 6-3 to countrywoman Madison Keys, and it's with that match and that result I think we should start because we've just come from Jessica Pagula's press conference and I find this a really shocking result quite frankly not that Madison Keys is reached a US Open quarterfinal. We know she's we know she's got that blistering tennis in her, but one and three. One and three from Jessica Pagula coming in playing the tennis of her life. I'm shocked by that. And what are you shocked about? Are you shocked about her inability to to meet fire with fire? Because Keys was on it today, and when she is on it, she is a frightening proposition. Or did you feel like that e- even if maybe she's out powered, um, outgunned, that there should be another way back into the match? What What was your feeling on More that? More so the latter. Okay. I mean, w- when Madison Keys is on, Jessica Bagula cannot match her for firepower. Not many can. Maybe just Elena Ostapenko. I don't expect her to be able to meet that fire with, with fire, and that's fine. But she hit more than 20 unforced errors today. There was very little resistance. There was very little... There was very little behaviour commensurate with the world number three today. There was very little imposing herself on that, on that match or problem-solving out there. And she might not have been able to solve the problem that... Madison Keys's A game poses when it's on, but there was so little resistance today. I found that quite bizarre. I know she's a rhythm player, and Madison Keys designed her, did, did denies her any rhythm at all. But she looked so flat, and this was a huge opportunity for her. And to come out and not perform. I think is worse than it's see Jabur Wimbledon final chat to come out and not perform I think is worse than to lose a match she had opportunities to win as much as that 
hurts in a different kind of way. Yeah, I think that's well said. There was something pretty telling, perhaps, in that as soon as this match was over, Madison Keys was back on the practice court. Oof. Like, that's always a bit of a burn, I think, to an opponent if you've just beaten them so easily. It was almost like Madison Keys didn't feel like she'd had enough of a test, even, or enough to sort of go on to figure out how even she was playing. And, like, I did think she played very well, Madison Keys. She was hitting the ball with a lot of depth. Uh, and there was one wobble that she had in the second set where Pagula got the set back on serve. And that was the moment where I thought, okay, this might turn. Like, I've seen Madison Keys in enough big matches. And I know this wasn't the very latter stages of a Grand Slam where she tends to struggle. You know, she's very good in, in these sorts of rounds in slams. But it was a big occasion against a fellow American on Ash. And I thought there was a chance there for Jessica Pagula to apply some pressure and knuckle down and make it difficult for Madison Keys. And the opposite happened. She went away, she lost serve, and then the match was just kind of over. And it was, it was definitely a really disappointing performance from, from Pagula. That's the thing. It's like what we were saying about Murray and Dimitrov the other day. Dimitrov played a dream against Murray, but he was—he never felt under any pressure. Right? Mentally, I think if Madison Keys and Grigor Dimitrov is quite similar players, really, I felt like Jessica Pagula wasn't able to ask her the right questions today to make her feel under any pressure. She felt comfortable throughout and. We absolutely know what Madison Keys can do with those weapons when she feels comfortable. But when she's made uncomfortable, she can really fall apart to to greater and lesser extents. And I don't know, am I being too harsh? What do you think? No, listen, I don't think you are. And I think actually it was quite telling in the press conference. The way Pagula seems to view it is Maddie can have days like that. And what can you do about it? And I felt which is a totally understandable reaction, and it may be the right one. It may just be that there are some days that Jessica Bagula's top level is just not good enough to cope with the top level of certain players, and I actually think that is the case at the, at the moment anyway. I just don't... I think she's a really good player who some players have a higher level than when they're at their peak. But at the same time, I do feel like that's letting yourself off the hook a bit and I understand why you would do that I'm sure I would do exactly the same in her shoes but what I was looking for and I had Pagula in my final so maybe I'm just a little bit miffed at having missed out and blame her but I actually think what's going on here is that I thought she had levels that she could call on when when she wasn't kind of maybe getting freaked out by the semi, the quarter final ceiling and I thought here this is why I put her in the final I thought Matter, matter of time she's coming into this now she's won a tournament a big tournament on the eve of it yes she was exhausted in Cincinnati couldn't perform then that's fine now she comes out prepped ready her home crowd she's the one getting hype but maybe not Coca Goff hype but second in line she's getting way more talked about than Madison Keys is because we've had a decade of Madison Keys sometimes doing well but not actually doing what we all thought she'd do 10 years ago and I'm afraid Pagula just had no answer, no gear, no acceleration. I think she probably just hasn't played that well all tournament, really. If you look at her as her scorelines, she's found ways through. But 
I found that a shame. And, really. and you asked her about that, David Impressed, didn't you? You said, okay, fair enough. Maddie has a gear that, that I don't have, that that very few players can match when she hits it. You said, does that make you, does that motivate you to try and change things or find ways to raise your your gears or t- Do you to use create, your off new, season create new gears and she she pretty much said no yeah right uh, she says you're always looking for things you can do but she was happy enough certainly publicly to sign this off as madison keys being madison keys hitting her straps and playing really well but there have been too many of these and to, because they're not all Madison Keys on like fire um, I felt she was very candid in her answer before that when she was talking about how three times this year when a match has gone indoors she has not been able to respond and, and her ball she was explaining how her ball doesn't go through the court in the same way um, and she was kind of highlighting her own limitations and I, I just found that really interesting and maybe I Maybe I have overestimated her own power as a disrupting force. But there's no way around it. I mean, I found it disappointing. And I, I, I want her to break through because I think she's done so well to kind of produce more than I ever thought she would years ago. But now we've hit this ceiling and you can't be content with that. Hmm. I don't think. Yeah, the conditions thing was interesting. You know, it was it was surprising, I suppose, that the match was under the roof. Like, I don't think anyone really had today down as we're going to have a lot of matches under the roof because of the forecast. But there were, like, the odd scattered shower in the forecast and the US Open took the decision to sort of preemptively close the roofs. Always a word that we struggle I, with I, on I this mean, show. I've been on the planet forty-nine <laughs> years, and I still don't know what I'm supposed to say. And therefore, Pagula played under the roof on Ash, and absolutely, that is now two Grand Slam losses in a row. Marketa von Drosheva at Wimbledon, the roof closed halfway through that match, and von Drosheva got noticeably better, and Pagula didn't when the roof came on, and she struggled today mm. in the conditions, and she didn't do very well at the WTA finals last year as well indoors. Um, so I think that is a that is a factor here. Perhaps those conditions maybe do not suit her quite so much, and you know she's not able to play her best. The thing I asked her about in the press conference was was really picking up on what she said about always looking for ways to try and improve and try and do things a little bit differently. So I I quite sort of tentatively approach the issue of doubles because I know she talks about this all the time and I know she's been very very clear and I completely believe her that doubles has helped her singles I totally think that is true that she is a better player because of the skills she's learned in the doubles because it actually maybe suits her rhythm to play some doubles on off days and recover from losses by playing doubles and maybe it, you know, it's fun. You know, she likes playing with Coco Goff, and the tour is difficult. And if she's able to have some fun, that's a good thing. So I absolutely think that doubles has been a huge benefit to Jessica Bagula. But the point is, I think she has played over a hundred matches this year, and for all that she can say, and is probably true that you know an hour of doubles isn't that physical. It's still something you're thinking about mentally and emotionally. It's still taking up 
headspace away from your preparation for singles. Factor in all the issues that you get to do with scheduling as well and maybe not quite knowing when you're going to play and waiting around. She's got more going on in her head, Jessica Bagula, than her singles rivals who've won the other slams this year, you know, for the most part. You know, Sabalenka, Sviontek, Rybakina, they're not playing doubles. They are focusing on singles. And so I just sort of wanted to know, is that something that you will consider in the future of changing? You've talked about changing and trying to find new ways, or are you going to keep playing the doubles forever? And I would, you know, I would sort of understand if you would. And it sounded to me like she's really seen the Olympics as maybe a little bit of a goal. You know, she wants to play the Olympics with Goff and get to that point, and then maybe there might be some reassessment. That's that's my view, perhaps, generally. Um, she made the point that she wants to win slams in doubles as well as in singles, and therefore why should she sacrifice those double slams? And that's a fair point, too. But the point is, not many players win singles and double slams playing so much doubles. Barbara Krejcikova the other year, total outlier. I know Serena Williams has done it, but she's not playing doubles and Venus, but they're not playing doubles all year round as well. They're, they're not, not playing mixed. Right. I, I know they have once or twice played mixed, but to play all three events... Mm. regularly so, so I'm, abs- I'm absolutely not saying Jessica Gula needs to ditch doubles but I think it was an interesting insight into her mindset that kind of for her maybe a double slam would be just as great as a single slam mm. and that's fine but it does make me maybe think about her a little bit differently as a singles player because I was like you David I had her going all the way here to the final in singles and I don't know. I always say I think I'll learn for the next predictions and never do. But it feels like now it's, it would be becoming very hard to pick Pagula going beyond the quarterfinals. There's so much evidence now. Yeah, I, I had a very similar reaction. I thought what she was saying in her answer to you, which was fascinating, was, yes, it might be a bit of a trade-off. Mm. It might be a sacrifice... Because I agree with you, it's improved her singles game and we're always urging players to be more open-minded about doubles, particularly in their developmental stages. I think it's great that she's played so much, but there has to be diminishing returns there in terms of developing your game. You know, her game is pretty developed now. Um, I I interpreted it as her saying, I realised that I could be making some sacrifice to my singles with this commitment to doubles, but I know what I'm doing. I'm doing that mindfully, and it's mm. a sacrifice I'm willing to make. I'm and okay I with that. totally respect that. It's her career. No, nobody, at, like the Olympics thing, I 100% get and support. And you do, you do you, Jessica, right? Like, so long as she's doing that in full knowledge of what a sacrifice it might be, cool, fine, you're doing it with perfect information. But I did think this is going to change what I do with you and my predictions from now on. It does change how I think of you just a little bit. Great player. But but I don't want to do a Steve Redgrave here. (laughs) But (laughs) if you you see me picking her for a Grand Slam final again, (laughs) you have my permission to intervene. (laughs) Uh, In your lifetime. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, I I, I think the, the only thing that... 
I wonder on her behalf in years to come, and I don't think she's really the type, so I don't think this will happen, but is if she decides never to sacrifice doubles because she wants to play it, uh, will she ever wonder whether that might have made a difference? Even though she thinks it wouldn't, because you haven't tried it, you don't know for sure. And uh, personally, I love the fact that she plays doubles and mixed too, and I think it's it's just a a message to everybody else that you can. At the moment, that's what it is. But by the look I'm on not your sure face, today was. well, by the look on your face, Catherine, it, your view would be well, yeah, the, evi- the today, evidence doesn't back think, it up today. I think if you're somebody that that is abs- champions don't make that sacrifice, right? Champions aren't. I mean, you know, the best of the best here. People that leave no stone unturned are prepared, their are prepared to throw <laughs> themselves into a brick wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the things these tennis players do to give themselves just a chance at success. Look what Andy Murray's doing. I mean, that's one yeah. of countless examples. They they don't knowingly make those trade-offs and actually and it's absolutely fine to do that it just makes you a different kind of beast it is almost as though she's champions prepared well she's just clearly prepared to not roll that dice because she doesn't want to sacrifice her doubles and and i i respect that if that's how she feels fair fair play you know it's your life and you know she's having a, a great career and if that's the way she wants to run it, I really understand that. Mm. But I do think you're right. It, it, it impacts maybe, given because there's not no evidence that she's about to get over the hump, it does impact whether you think she will end up getting over the hump. Mm. And, and actually a point that she made in that answer to me was that she didn't play doubles in Washington. She then goes over to Canada plays one doubles match pulls out of the doubles tournament with golf and she goes on to win the singles <laughs> you know all while talking about sort of little ways that she thinks she might be able to improve and get better as a singles player that was why I asked the question mm. about the doubles so yeah if she's absolutely happy with it then totally good luck to her I really support her playing doubles I really really do but you're right it does I think just tell you something about her sort of DNA mm, as a yeah. as a tennis player. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was Pagula going. Madison Keys. Uh, Madison Keys will play Marketa Vondrosheva in the quarterfinals. That after Vondrosheva took care of Peyton Stearns in three sets. Uh, six seven six three six two. This one over the NCAA champion. She was struggling with a shoulder injury, Vondrosheva, during this. I mean, incredible hustle from her. Her serve speeds were way down. She can generate generate much pace off the ground, but she's one of the few players that can win matches. Has has enough tool in her arsenal that she can win matches in spite of that. A lot of players would have been out for the count, that being the case. But she she problem-solved out there and found a way around it. But it is a worry for the quarterfinals for Vondrosheva, a big worry. She pulled out of the doubles, which was 
wrenching for her because she was playing with Barbora Stritzova. It's her farewell year on tour. She's basically ended Stritzova's career by by pulling out. And Stritzova, incidentally, is in, incredibly understanding of that. But there was a a gut wrenching backstage video that emerged of Stritzova giving Von Droshefer's upset because she knows what she has to do and Stritzova's comforting her and it's it's all the emotions yeah, all was, the emotions and Von Droshefer, she, she, when asked about the injury and managing it she said the balls are very heavy and the season is very long and the balls are a topic of conversation even without Ash Barty here the US Open balls remain a topic and, of conversation and, and it did I'm sure there was way more input from other players, but it did feel like Iga Svantec last year was the one sort of leading the charge to change the US Open balls. She won the tournament. They've changed the US <laughs> Open balls. She's out of the tournament this year. It sounds from Jessica Pagula like they're considering changing back to the other ones. It sounds like there's some players who have, in addition to Von Drosheva, made the point that these balls that they're using are heavier, potentially causing injury players have said that uh, so we'll see what the situation is next year um, I think at the time of recording Stritzkova is still in the mixed doubles so she's still got that go on Barbara <laughs> I feel like I'm really sort of rooting for her now but I'm also rooting for Ben Shelton and Taylor Townsend um, <laughs> the whole the mixed is a mess of emotion <laughs> I'm rooting for Jessica Pagula you know like all, all of this um, lots going on so I was, I was impressed that Von Drosfer, as you said, found a way through that, not feeling her best. You're absolutely right. She's got stuff to fall back on. If, if plan A isn't working, she's got so much in her game and she's, so, she's got such a good tennis IQ that she's able to manage that mid-match and make adjustments. And she started using her slice a lot more and causing Peyton Stearns, who I've been really impressed with this tournament, started causing her problems as well. She's a top 20 player, I think, Peyton Stearns. Yeah. Yeah, First I time so. I've watched her today, and I, I was impressed. You know, she's got a sort of slingshot forehand, yeah. a, a kind of a bit like Caroline Garcia, and you mentioned Jennifer Brady the other day, and mm. I can see that. Mm. There's just something else on it. So, Von Drosheva Keys is one of the quarterfinal set up today. The other will be the winner of the match currently on court that we'll chat about later between Irina Sabalenka and Dari Kazakina. And Zhang Xin Wen, her first top five win and her first Grand Slam quarterfinal. She beat Ons Jabeur 6-2, 6-4. And yes, Ons battled today like she has in all of her matches so far. But that fight can only make up for so much when the game isn't there. And frankly, the game just wasn't there today. And it hasn't been there all tournament really um, of course there are moments she's on Strabur she's a wizard with a tennis racket but so in- inconsistent are those moments you, you well I have felt on edge watching her throughout and that's been a very alien experience for me and Jung was just so aggressive today and that's a real trademark of Wimfisset's players isn't it she's very happy to finish points off up at the net which I think is a, a real a, a real sort of benchmark for players you see a lot of really talented players that just haven't got that figured out yet and she does seem to have and 
that we've known about her talent for a long time, but it does feel like Winforset might be the jolt that she has needed. Her serve still looks a bit shonky, <laughs> to quote Simon Briggs. Um, but when it's on, it's 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 a really effective serve. It's a big serve. It just looks like there's an awful lot that can go wrong there. Um, it's certainly not a text a textbook serve by any means, but her ground strokes off both wings are absolute bullets. Raking, aren't they? Um, I, I haven't seen her play a lot in the last year or so, and I, I, I am mindful that she was up against a subpar Javert today, but still, it's still a difficult game to combat, and she just blasted it off the court, really. Um, I st- her, her ground strokes, to, to my eye, and, and I should be very clear that my eye is not a, a trained a seasoned coach but they look a little a little unreliable they look spectacular and powerful but I'm not completely sure she's got control of them all the time um, but I, but that's why I want to watch more of her really um, and I'm so really fascinated to see how she comes on it was she was mentioning in the uh, the encore interview with Blair Henley who put to her that she's being known as queen for the uh, element queen of her win. name queen win and she really liked that. <laughs> she liked it, didn't she? I mean, I too would probably like it if I had a nickname involving the word queen. Yes. Great. Yes, yeah, so Jun went through to a first quarter final. We'll talk about who she plays in part two. On to the men's matches that we've seen already today. And the match currently on court between Daniel Medvedev and Alex de Menor, where Medvedev is looking, even by his standards, spectacularly dishevelled. Uh, the winner of that is facing Andrei Rublev in the quarterfinals. Rublev having beaten Jack Draper 6-3, 3-6, 6-3, 6-4. Pretty much the match that I was expecting here in that Draper really showed what he's about and showed that when he's a hardened tour pro with a bank of fitness and match toughness and match fitness under his belt, he'll be a match for Andre Rublev and better players than Andre Rublev quite possibly. But he's not there yet. He's completely undercooked in both in both ways and you know, it, it is totally to Andre Rublev's credit that you didn't doubt his fitness for one moment out there. It was disgusting on Armstrong. Absolutely disgusting. Made worse by the sheer number of people, of course. So many people. They did. T- the, the roof was closed and they do have a sort of air conditioning unit on. And in his press conference, Draper described it as being, quote, cold which I would like to... Really? He was complaining about the cold. air conditioning yeah, and I, being I on think, all the way through the first round. I think round. there's a sort of spot on the court that the air conditioning's directed at where you, like, sort of get a blast of cold, maybe, but it was not it was not blasting towards the press seats, let me tell you that. Did anyone follow up and say... I did a face, Matt. <laughs> I felt like the Somebody face covered just, off the follow-up. Can we just park that air conditioning next to Catherine? Yes. He did also say it was horrible. Okay. He said, like, the humidity the humidity kind of cancelled that out he just said it was really really hard to generate pace and hit through hit through the court because of the the cold in combination <laughs> with the humidity um, and he did go break up in the, the third set when it was one set all but the second he lost that break it felt like he was holding on 
at that yeah. point, and he held on valiantly. But Rublev just keeps coming. There was He's more, relentless. There was more great examples of mic'd up coaching teams because Draper was going into the corner. James Trotman, his coach, was giving some. Re- I mean, first of all, some really good te- tactical advice of. On the backhand, he was saying middle, then line, middle, then line, as to what he wanted. Very simple, and that really changed the trajectory of the second set. And then in the third set, when Draper was clearly in a bit of a hole and he's got a physical dip, because he was going through these waves. You know, he's never played five sets in his whole life Mm. before. Uh, And he's such a novice over these longer durations of matches. And, of course, he comes in with an injury and he just undercuts. But he's there, and he was... I think 15.40 down at about 2-3 in the third set. And he's, he's struggling to keep up. And, and James Trotman just said to him, come on now, just hang in there. I back you here. Like this. And oh. it was, you just saw Draper just walk away with a bit more of a spring in his step. And he went and served out and held, it, held to 3 all. That It's like receiving a David Law voice note, it, isn't it? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Mm. Walk with a bit more spring in your step, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, I I just so like Jack Draper, the player and the person. From the little I know, I don't know him well, yeah, but I love his people. manner. You know, he's got a lovely way about him. Really solid handshake, look you in the eye. Always says hello. Doesn't matter who he's with. You know, he's not. Some players, some people in the past, I've had they'll say hello if they're with the right company but if they're not then they'll ignore mm. you and he's not like that and um, and I just feel like if he gets a run at his fitness he is going to be a top 10 player in the future sure. and 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 Andre you've told me Andre Rublev thinks he's going to be a top 10 <laughs> yeah. player in, yeah. as well in the no future. one's a bigger hype man yeah. <laughs> for Jack Draper than Andre Rublev I was going to say do you know who else likes uh, Jack Draper <laughs> Andre Rublev yeah in all the uh, sort of ATP videos that they've done this year where they get players to predict who they think will win on clay or on hard or who they think will have a breakthrough. Rublev just always answers Jack Draper to that so question. Sweet. And yet I think he's beaten him every time yeah. Every time mm. they've played. Mind you, I, I seem to remember um, Pete Sampras and Roger Federer sometimes complimenting opponents that they've got about an 8-0 record against. <laughs> Oh, do you think it's an Andre, an Andre Rublev mind I game? No, I really don't. No, I don't think no. it is either. Don't he, think he's got he it in him. He absolutely lost his mind in the second set. I mean, he didn't resort to hitting himself, but oh, he mm. worries me sometimes. But the, but he still managed to get it back. He got it back, and um, I like him too. <laughs> Speaking of people we like, Carlos Alcaraz beat Matteo Arnaldi six three. Six four six four. Another, uh, yet another, just kind of trademark early round. Carlos Alcaraz, well, not early round, but you know, early-ish round. Carlos Alcaraz match that made me think of um, well many passages, but I picked out one um, from Sally Jenkins' piece in the Washington Post about Carlos Alcaraz today, which is absolutely definitive it's a it's a fantastic piece if you get the opportunity to read it um and i've picked out this she wrote enjoy the rampant overflow of a young champion who at times when he should commandeer a match instead turns dreamy and plays games with such scalloping tactile touch that he doesn't mind dropping a set because it's a constant inner dialogue for him is it better to end the point quickly or go to the circus (laughs) <laughs> and he, he didn't drop a set today, 
but I felt like and Matt you watched every point of this I felt like in that third set he was prepared to <laughs> in order to go to the circus mm. I had so much fun watching this match like <laughs> and <laughs> Catherine I completely agree with you when you always say you know you want jeopardy that is that is really what we're after in when we're watching tennis matches, especially when there's so many to watch. You know, uh, my eyes are in, invariably drawn to the most dramatic match, the most tight match. And yet, Alcaraz, to me, is the exception to that rule. I will watch him straight sets Matteo Arnaldi in two hours and have the best time and not regret a single moment of my decisions <laughs> because he was awesome today there were so many highlight reel shots and yet they did actually feel like the right shots to be playing you know it's so instinctive for him to hit the drop shots to come in and hit the touch volleys to to lob it back over on Aldi's head he had it all going on to to hit rocket forehands which really knock you back even when you're in the crowd you're like whoa Someone has hit the ball that hard. How? It was just an absolute treat to watch him, and it was it was especially so because he came out, and I was a little bit worried because he had he had uh, tape on his leg for the first time all tournament. And if there's one thing that I am a bit worried about with Carlos Alcaraz, it is the fact that he's had little injuries through his career, and he is so physical, and I do worry about that. I asked him in the press conference, and. I believed him when he said that it was it was mainly preventative. He says he has felt a little bit of pain in his left leg. Uh, he made the point that that is going to happen in slams, in tournaments. It didn't affect him at all today from what I could see. But then Arnaldi, who I thought played really well, and you have to be good to bring out the sort of spectacular in Carlos Alcaraz, you know, like like Dan Evans did the other day. It was almost a compliment to Dan Evans that Alcaraz did play so many spectacular shots. It was a compliment to Arnaldi today as well. Like You have to be so incredibly talented to win, what, 10 games off Carlos Alcaraz today? Like Arnaldi did fine. I, I've, I've been impressed with him. He just doesn't have the weapons to be able to hurt Alcaraz. He's got a slightly funky serve as well. Um, but yeah, maybe something to monitor as this tournament goes on, that strapping on Alcaraz's leg. I don't think it's anything to worry about at the moment at all, but if it were to get worse, obviously it would be. So hopefully he sort of nipped it in the bud immediately by putting the strapping on and not making it any worse by, by playing today. The tennis gods wouldn't, wouldn't take Carlos from us. <laughs> oh, it's Catherine. <laughs> no. I mean, would. they would. They've done far worse. <laughs> yeah. But, there was but a, let, let's form a prayer circle There was now. another line used by... Uh, Sally Jenkins and an anecdote about Carl, Juan Carlos Ferro banning him from using the drop shot yeah. in the match <laughs> because she, great <laughs> and he got a couple of games in and he just points, points. a couple of points <laughs> two <laughs> points at last she, she wrote she wrote that he couldn't resist sending a, a hummingbird hovering over the nets <laughs> that just dropped for a clean winner and he turned around and he says I just couldn't help it Juan Carlos <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it re- it's a it's a wonderful piece. Give it, given you know, I sometimes feel anxious about covering Alcaraz on this podcast. You're like, how do you, how do you sum that up? You want to just say, go and watch him, go and watch him and experience it. But that's <laughs> it's 
not what you come to a podcast for and also not everybody I do realise not everybody's lucky enough to get the opportunity to to watch him live or even on the telly and we, we really don't take it for granted trust me so I hope we can with, with the help of Sally Jenkins and others um, do our best to to bring that experience to your doors what we try and do here on the tennis podcast uh, what I need to go and try and do is get in some air conditioning uh, or there won't be a part two. <laughs> we are. I'm feeling very Daniel Method. We're right melting now. away here, folks. <laughs> um, it's not even that hot, is it? It's just disgusting. Yes. It, it really is unpleasant. Um, bring back the weather of two days ago. That was nice, wasn't it? Okay, oh, I'll do that on Friday. <laughs> thank you very much, David. Right, we'll be back part two in just a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Welcome back to part two and to Tennis Podcast Towers, where while we've been sat in the lovely, lovely air conditioning all evening, some of the fittest athletes on the planet have been struggling, fading, succumbing to some of the most brutal conditions 
in sport. We've just watched four hours, 41 minutes between Alexander Zverev and Yannick Sinner, the remains thereof. Alex de Menor, roadrunner Alex de Menor, his legs went against Daniel Medvedev on the Armstrong court earlier. I mean, these are some of the fittest tennis players out there. They are not players that are generally prone to cramping. And they've 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 they're gone. They're absolutely gone. It is it is taken down the best of them this evening. And this is set to continue for the next three days. Yeah, and, and get hotter. Um, this is the tournament, the city, the climate that made us realise that Roger Federer does sweat um, several years ago when he lost to John Millman. And it was a very, very similar night, that one. Um, this, that was maybe more shocking because it was him. But this was more brutal in terms of what we've just witnessed for the last five hours worth of, of, of tennis between Yannick Sinner and, and Alexander Zverev. The cramping of Sinner, the complete fade of, of Zverev, where he looked like he was sort of walking on hot coals or something, as though his legs didn't really work. They, they're, they're the most brutal conditions of all, I think. I think it's worse than Australia, where they, they get very hot, but it's the humidity just does something to players. It makes them a bit delirious and and it makes me worry for them really you know i mean i'm i'm sure it's only temporary but car i mean if you get through what's it do to you for the next one mm. yeah horrible conditions to play in horrible conditions to be dressed as a carrot <laughs> 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 those carotta boys they deserve to go through to the quarterfinals, really, from tonight, don't they? Because they remained dressed as full carrots. And I don't think that was a breathable fabric that those <laughs> those carrot outfits are made out of. All goddamn evening, watching their man. Just, I mean, the ebbs and flows of the physical struggles tonight were, I mean, uncomfortable to watch quite frankly, just as just as one of them sort of pushed through the tunnel and was coming out the other side, suddenly the other one would be bent double and they were kind of taking it in turns to just be right on the brink of collapse, the both of them. That's that's as close as you can get, I think, without without retirement and staggeringly, without the quality of the match really falling off all that much. There was the odd total brain cramp moment and the odd you know super unforced error forehand dumped in the net or whatever but by and large an extraordinary quality of tennis Mm. I thought I was astounded by how high the quality was considering how bad they were clearly both feeling uh they their ability to still hit a tennis ball incredibly sweetly was just evident and you know some of their movement in the rallies was still good, even if they could barely walk or breathe outside of the rallies. Uh, Alexander Zverev in the final set to win the match volleyed the best I've ever seen him volley and covered the net generally. I don't know where he's learned to do that or when he's learned to do that, but he looked like a completely different man up at the net in the last few games of that match, and I think it helped him win. 
he was he was you know taking advantage of the fact that Sinner was standing so far behind the baseline to return his serve and he was sort of using that space and it was it was good tactics and yeah that's a fifth well five of his last six losses now for Sinner in slams have been fifth sets and and all, all sorts of types you know he's he came he played an amazing match last year and lost match point against Alcaraz he's lost from two sets up a couple of times or once uh he's tried to come back from two sets down and then lost in a fifth he had that match against Altmaier where he was really cross with his attitude in that match and then he's had this one today which was just so physically grueling he is in why do I lose all the close match matches territory it's it's it keeps happening to him and it's you know on the one hand it shows how damn good he is that it takes those sorts of extraordinary performances from those people to beat him but cumulatively by now I feel like he should have come through one of these matches and he needs to start coming through one of them if he's going to make even more progress than he already has yeah five and seven I think now his best of five set record and it's it's this double-edged sword isn't it I mean he did staggeringly well to get that match into a fifth mm. set we thought he was going to be retiring after two sets or two and a bit sets we thought he was down and out when he went two sets to one down to get it into a fifth was a monumental effort for which he deserves extraordinary credit but equally I do think he has a bit of a problem David as Matt said it's all different types of of losses in close matches he needs a lift or elevator if you will ride (laughs) with David Law (laughs) what would you say I'd say sure sign me up Um, no what would you say to Yannick oh okay Um, (laughs) do you know I was I was thinking when you were describing those five set defeats about pre-Henman British players at Wimbledon when I was a kid and the amount of times they'd they'd fight heroically and get it into a fifth set and then lose but they'd still get good headlines afterwards and and there's a bit of that in Sinner really he was incredibly brave to to and and persevered to get into that fifth set but he lost and the winners don't you know that that's the truth and he's got to prove that he's a winner the winners don't lose David that yeah. is but, you know, it's those <laughs> kinds of matches. You know, everybody loses matches. But those kind of matches, you've got to win those. That, that mm-hmm. If you're going to make the next step, he lost the one against Alcrest. That's okay. I mean, he had a match point. But then you've, you can't keep doing it. And I, I mean, look, he's still a young lad. Everything else. Darren Cahill's there. He's got his team. They're working on it. He still lost to Alexander Zverev, and I thought he would win. And uh, and it was a weird, weird night. They're not all going to be like that. But but it, but I just feel like, well, I'm coming up with excuses for him, really, there, aren't I? Because you've got to just go win. Mm. Find a way. He was he was close. He, he he was bloody close. And I think he will get there, but. Until he does, there's always a question mark. Mm. Alexander Zverev, in his own words, I'm back, back in a Grand Slam quarterfinal. 
Uh, unfortunately, he did look like um, a, an exhumed corpse at the end of the match, and he now has to play uh, Carlos Alcaraz. So, <laughs> who's had a lovely he's, afternoon? He's briefly back. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, yeah, I mean, staggering effort. It is worth remembering that he is a type 1 diabetic, isn't it? So, um, I mean, that is absolutely no inhibitor to being a a top-level athlete at all, thanks to incredible modern medicine. And he obviously manages that condition very well, but it is an extra factor for him. And, um, yeah, extraordinary, really, that that feats, physical feats like this evening are possible. Daniel Medvedev, we, we didn't have the opportunity to watch loads of his match against Alex Dunamort. Frankly, after that first set that he lost so one-sidedly to Dunamort 6-2, we thought there was going to be a lot more of that match that we could watch once we got back here to the air conditioning. But actually what happened is Daniel Medvedev went into total lockdown mode, started drilling laser-like ground strokes and stopped missing and just watched Alex Domino's legs slowly disappear from under him. It was um, clinical, mm. by the sounds of things. Vicious. Yeah, I, I edited part one of the podcast and then headed it out to Armstrong to watch what I hoped would be, you know, Medvedev on Armstrong. Fun, fun vibes out there. And honestly, the set in a bit that I saw, Medvedev was just in total control... Uh, he, he was pleased afterwards when he found out that Dumanor's legs had gone. You know, he, I think he took some some real pride in that, in a way, that he'd managed to sort of induce that by locking his game down and extending the rallies. He also really improved his serve. Uh, I think it was letting him down in the first set, and he was able to rely on it in the, in the next three and, and shorten some of the points because he was also feeling, feeling it himself. He, he said in his post-match interview with Blair Henley that the conditions tonight reminded him of Tokyo. Well, we did not have a good time in Tokyo. He did not enjoy Tokyo. And I actually went back and had a look at the quote he gave. He said, who will take responsibility if I die? (laughs) (laughs) I felt like that at about 3pm on Armstrong in the media seats. (laughs) So you lasted about. Will David and Matt sue the USDA <laughs> after my death? You, you, you lasted about eight minutes out there, <laughs> yeah. didn't you? Mm. So yeah, it was it was a sort of combination of you know improving his own serve to protect himself a bit, but also being prepared to take Alex Dumanor into the trenches in in some long rallies, and it really worked. And yeah, a completely sort of drama-free end to the match after he'd been using an inhaler in the first set quite the turnaround um it all goes to my point that the more disheveled he looks and yep boy did he <laughs> the better he plays and now he plays the godfather to his daughter andre rublev mm. and he'll probably take his legs away as well <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and smile mercilessly um, so, yeah, that was an interesting one. Medvedev, in his, in his press conference afterwards, had a real um, athletes, they're just like us moment <laughs> uh, when he was saying that he wanted to be able to watch um, Ben Shelton against Francis Tiafo tomorrow night, or probably tonight, as you're listening to this. Uh, but he said, due to the spectrum 
Disney fiasco, he no longer has access to ESPN in his hotel. Um, so he was going to seek out an illegal streaming website <laughs> in order to be able to watch it. So for anyone out there that is a victim of the uh, the Spectrum uh, Disney fiasco, Medvedev is in the same boat as you, if that's any comfort and at it all. it appears you have his blessing. Yeah, tweet him and he'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arena Sabalenka made her 2023 Arthur Ashe Stadium debut tonight as the pre-anointed new world number one and she utterly dismissed Daria Kazakina. It was a real statement of a performance. I know that's a dodgy matchup for Kazakina. She can get, as much as her her weapons are beautiful and so such craftsmanship, she she can get blasted off the court. She uh, is vulnerable I, to I that. I didn't realise her serve is now in the 60s a lot of the time. Mm. I mean, you can't do that and beat Arena Sabalenka. No, and and she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) A really interesting quote I thought from Sabalenka after the after the match, talking about achieving world number one and the way she achieved world number one. She said she was gutted to see Iga Swiatek lose, and in her mind, she was thinking about world number one. It was her target for this tournament, but she was just assuming that Svantec would reach the final and she would have to beat her in that final in order to achieve it. That's the that is what she was manifesting for this tournament and she wanted that. She wanted to physically directly take it off Iga Svantec. Now I'm sure I'm sure in in the course of time that feeling will fade and she'll know that she earned it to three 365 ranking and all of that and we all know she's earned it but I I can understand that and I do really like that attitude I love that she she really wants to prove it against the best of the best she doesn't want an easy ride anywhere I love that about her she wants moments as well she wants yeah the dream Mm. I suppose and I do think there's probably a bit of a that is looking for ways to properly believe that she really is world number one. And hmm. there'll be moments like when the ranking list comes out on Monday and she can log on to the WCA website if it's working and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and see her name up in lights as world number one. You know, maybe they'll do some sort of presentation that, that, that is a trophy or something like that. There, there are just little things like that that I think you're looking for. And the ultimate would have been, as you say, meeting Shantek in the final, knowing that she'd she'd got all the way and beating her. That would be the ultimate. But, mm. well, you, you take what you get. And, and she is a very worthy world, number one. I mean, she has worked so hard the last few years and has achieved this goal in the Australian Open and has been consistent throughout the year. Zhang Xinwen next for her, of course, conqueror of Ons Jabur earlier on. So those are the quarterfinal lineup set. Tomorrow we start in earnest with those quarterfinals. And interestingly, the schedule looks thus. Elena Ostapenko against Coco Goff is first up at midday. And we understand on the rumour mill, given that Coco Goff isn't in doubles action tomorrow that it was a request from Coco Goff to play at midday in the day session in the full heat of the day because 
She believes, and probably quite rightly, that she can cope with that better than her opponent and probably better than any opponent tomorrow. So Gofos Dipenko at midday, followed by Novak Djokovic against Taylor Fritz in the full, brutal heat of the afternoon. Mm. I think Novak Djokovic is going to want Goff Ostapenko to go on for as long as possible so that, yes, he'll be playing in the heat, he can't escape that, but he might be able to escape the direct sun. So he doesn't have to wear the hat. And I I do think it's sun which really bothers Novak Djokovic. It's heat as well, but sun seems Mm. to stress him out and make him feel bad when Mm. he's when he's exposed to it in such a direct way. And the shade does come across the Arthrash Stadium oh, during we, the we afternoon. Oh, we know. It's yes. hard to miss. Yeah. Um, some so serious shadow he, issues. Exactly. So I think he's going to be hopeful for some shade. But it does feel like a, does feel like a big factor mm. in that match. Mm. Night session is Serana Castella against Karolina Mukova and then Francis Tiafo against Ben Shelton which Daniel Medvedev will be watching on a dodgy stream somewhere. Um, That's your lot for today, folks. We will give some coverage to the doubles events and the wheelchair events, which are, well, some of them are getting going. Some of them have been very much going in earnest. I know that uh, Taylor Townsend and Ben Shelton have been causing a big stir, haven't they, in the mixed doubles. And Taylor Townsend is also on for the doubles double because she's uh, still in alongside Leila Fernandez. They play tomorrow in a quarterfinal against Abby Dabrowski and Erin Routcliffe. There you go. That is on uh, Armstrong tomorrow, if you're in town and want to go to that. Oh, as is some player, Louisa Stefani. Yes. What a player Which she is. Which Armstrong. Excellent. My favourite course. With uh, Jen Brady. Okay. <laughs> yep. Right, so that is tomorrow. Tonight, I need to say hello to Willow. Lovely, lovely Willow, our US Open mascot. Our mascots, Maisie, Zenia. All right, Maisie. Uh, we didn't do so well today. Hello, Zenia. When, when Dimonor was a set-up, I was feeling really confident, Maisie. But then Medvedev decided to play out of his Dave, mind. David's a very in-the-moment kind of guy when he's watching tennis. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt has Darwin. Feel like you got mm. points today? No, no, we no. Uh, okay. we're losing all the close matches. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have, of course, our epic executive producers and top folks, Jamie, Hannah, and Drew. Hello to you, and we have shout-outs. We have Shane Clifford, who is from Kerry in Ireland but currently living in Tanzania. Whoa! So cool! Mm. Right, Shane. Hello, Shane. Shane. Shane Anun, like the physical trainer of Andy Murray. What a shout that is. (laughs) Wow! Look what I've done, Shane. Shane was sort of the breakout star of resurfacing. Yes, he he? was. Mm. He was indeed, and he's a lovely chap. documentary. He always says that, though. I, I hope... Shane from Kerry, you'll agree that David Law has done you proud there. Yeah. I, this is why we don't do shout-outs on days when David's not around. Given that I, I have been really struggling not to nod off here at 2am, <laughs> I don't quite know where that's right. come from. On with the next shout-out, Matt. Thank you, Shane. Next, we have Dallas Nelson, who is from West Jordan in Utah. 
Wow. Dallas from Utah. That's... I was hoping you were going to tell me he was from Texas mm. because, <laughs> because I know somebody called Austin from Texas. Which is epic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Dallas from Utah is also quite epic. Mm. Wow. We, uh, when Matt and I were driving from Palm Springs to Las Vegas, what a sentence, As you do. In, uh, in March to see Taylor Swift, we... We were staggered that Salt Lake City in Utah was featuring on road signs, just you know, to, to indicate how far away it was for people that might be driving there, despite the fact it was what seven hundred, eight hundred miles away. Yeah, way too far to drive. <laughs> <laughs> but this is America, and people do. So there we go. Thank you, Dallas. Yeah, thanks, you sound Dallas. Epic. I don't know any tennis players called Dallas. I do know an American footballer called DJ Dallas who plays for Seattle Seahawks. My team. Should I do the final shout out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have Jacqueline Martin, who is from Exeter in Devon. All right, Jacqueline. Like Jackie Martin. Isn't Jackie Martin something that did something funny in lockdown? The, um, yes, like the local councillor or something. Yeah. Is that who I'm thinking of? (laughs) Is this her? I don't think so. (laughs) Where's this Jacqueline Martin from? Exeter. Hey. Hmm. Look, I'm going to have to do some Googling here. You are. I, I am, but nothing's coming up. <laughs> I feel like I could have got this all wrong. Great radio. <laughs> you were falling asleep. <laughs> True. Someone help me out here. Tennis Jacqueline's. Well, this Jacqueline says that she loves hearing David's 90s tennis anecdotes because that was the era that she loved watching. Yeah, go on, Jacqueline. (laughs) I can't talk. Um, I can't even give you any 90s tennis Jacqueline's, I'm afraid. No, it's not Jackie, it's Jacqueline. It's Jacqueline. It's Jacqueline, and all Jacqueline says is all I can think of is Todd Martin. Oh, well so done. Looking, She's done it so, for she, she said, so looking forward to what you come up with. <laughs> I think we've done a proud. <laughs> Alberto Martin. Alberto Martin. Who was in the D- box of Andre Rublev today, alongside Fernando Vicente. New coach. Was he? Yes. New, new co-coach. Wow. First Wimbledon Same match. Same spelling, isn't it? Martin, Martin. Yep. First Wimbledon Thomas match Martin, ever watched Echeverry. live was um, Alberto Martin. Against Andy Roddick, court eighteen. I see. Mm. He look, Jacqueline. Again, I'm sure you'll agree. David has really <laughs> pulled something out of the bag for you there. At two eleven a.m. So apologies for uh, for whatever nonsense we've been spouting, but um, we're doing our very best, and we're very grateful to uh, all of you, friends, shout out friends, intro friends mascot friends just general friends we're very grateful to have you you're the reason that we're here and spouting nonsense at 10 past 2 in the morning so why don't we do it all again in 24 hours time we'll be back you'll be back and we'll speak to you then
Jackie Weaver. Weaver. God, it was just a completely different person. <laughs> what did she do with herself? She was the one that said. She was. She was a quote hero of chaotic viral council Zoom meeting. <laughs> you, you saw it, Debbie. Why did I think it was Martin? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.